Sports. If you have not followed his Triple H Horse Racing Podcast, you're missing out. It's one of the best podcasts in the country. Good evening and welcome to episode two of Horsing Around here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your proud host, Howard Kravitz, with guests from the great state of California. Whoop, there he is, Tom Espinoza, and my co-host from another great state of Maryland, Pete Visco. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? We staying warm wherever you are. Uh, yeah, I'm actually wearing shorts out here in California. So. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, not the best person to have. We had some snow. We were playing out in the snow today, doing a little sledding in the backyard, so not too bad. Nice. Well, uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Please listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. We've got a great tip sheet. Look below the video player for information about our Power Picks tip sheet. We also have a wonderful website, hhhracingpodcast.com. And we're also on Instagram. You can see on the bottom of the screen, instagram.com backslash hhhracingpodcast. Of course, you can follow me on x at hkravitz right there. And then scrolling at the bottom of the screen, Reach me by email, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Guys, I'm going a little bit lazy. Uh, the weather here has been crazy, Pete and Tom. We had a high today in Chicago area of negative two. That's the high. Tomorrow, the high temperature is one with way below wind chill temperatures. We actually canceled school again tomorrow, Pete and Tom. Friday, we canceled school because of uh, about eight inches of snow. So, of course, I'm heartbroken, Pete and Tom. I'm going to have to maybe bet the horses again. It's just really, it's yeah, brutal. Got, but... You got to hope some tracks stay open for you, and then we'll see what yeah. you can do. If not, if not, there's always there's always international racing every day. There's always oh, wow. something to bet on. So. Yeah, something in Australia, Korea. Australia Open's going on. You can bet tennis if you need to. I'll give you some tips later if you need some tennis parlays to put in. I, I, I'll, I'll find something. I figured maybe I just won't shave until I actually have school again so i'm going very unshaven look for me for several days now but hey that's okay uh guys hope you're doing well we got a lot to talk about uh tonight we're gonna go relatively quickly as we usually do here on horse and around great segment last uh, week pete for the first time on our uh, new show uh with uh paul and uh jim Pilars. and now we've got tom espinoza tom want you before we get into what we're talking about which some recaps of stake races in New York, California, and then more detailed discussion about the state of racing right now in California. But Tom, you've been a long time dedicated viewer, listener to not only this show, but to the Matt Bernier show and a few other places. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? So I was born and raised in um, San Francisco, California. I still work in the city, but I live about 80 miles east of San Francisco now. And the, my first trip to the actual races was with my mother to Golden Gate Fields. So, and I hit the daily double and I remember the horse coming back on the second leg. I didn't know what I was doing. I think I bet the double off the chip sheet that we bought. And I remember the jockey coming back. It was the number four horse, that yellow saddle cloth jockey came back, waved his whip and I was hooked. And the jockey, I'll never forget the jockey's name was Larry Lagoo. And wow. just from there. Um, so I was probably like in second grade when that happened. Wow. So ever since then. Um, I've been going to the track and then my mother was the first one to go in our family and she forced my dad to go to the races. He didn't want to go. He was a baseball boxing guy. No, I don't want to go. She forced him to go. He was hooked from like me from day one. So over time, my father and I, we really bonded over racing and just talking about races. And then 
you know, I kind of grew up, I kind of got out of it for a while because I met my beautiful wife, had my two beautiful children. So I wasn't really handicapping or anything. And then kind of when that handicapper, the horse player show came back on, I kind of got hooked on it a little bit because I didn't even know about um, tournaments and stuff. That was all new. I had heard about tournaments, but I didn't even know how they worked. So kind of got back into it then and then found Matt Bernier on his DRF show. Then when he left DRF, I started my Twitter account to keep continue to follow him. And he started his Matt Bernier show. And then I saw Howard on your show. On Well, I saw Howard on Matt's show. Howard said, I'm going to start my own show. I'm like, hey, man, that takes guts. I got to follow this guy. <laughs> Here I am. I'm playing the palace now. Look at this. Unbelievable, nice. huh? You're in the big time. And <laughs> yeah. people who watch this show, Pete, know Tom always is in the chat. And this is the, this is one, one of the main things I really want to do with Horsing Around, Pete, when I decided to come up with this Monday night concept is give it back to the fans. And we see these people, I mean, you literally met Tom now for the first time, you know, in person, so to speak. It's, we saw yeah. these names in the chat, like Jim Pilar's is back here again. Welcome Tom from Jim. Uh, looking forward to your uh, opinion of the future of California racing. And uh, do you know, Matthew Moreno says, yes, yeah. hell yeah, Tom rules. What's up Matthew? <laughs> A friend? Is this a friend of yours, uh, Tom? That's, that's my oldest son. That's my oldest son. Oh yeah. Is, All right, what's up, Matthew? Is he? Was he the one in the picture? No, that's my youngest son, Gabriel. Oh, okay. What's up, Matthew? Yeah, Gabriel, How are you doing, Gabriel? 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 Matthew's in the army in uh, Florida. Oh wow! What's up, Matthew? Thanks for nice. taking the time to watch well, the show. Appreciate it. And you know, Paul Conlin, who I met at seventeen below oh. in North Dakota. Maybe we shouldn't feel uh, too bad about where we are here. But anyway. Pete, I was just saying how cool it is that we get to meet the fans in person. That's one of the main things I want to do with this show. Yeah, well, and also it's a, it's sort of a call back to how we, me and you, got on the yeah. Matt Bernier show just by doing the the pick that he used to do, the Friday, I forget what it was called, like Friday the Friday feature. pick, Friday feature. Yeah. And then yeah. that's how we got on, and that's how we, you know, quote unquote, met. And then right. we would we would do that. So it's a good way to just sort of bring that back, especially since Matt's no longer, you know, Matt's show is no longer there. We have to sort of carry the torch for him a little bit. There we go. He gave us our blessing to continue carrying yeah. the torch. And Paul also said, Tom, on the bottom of the screen, of course, Tom, you'll see comments that Paul spent three years at Bay Meadows and he sure misses that place. Uh, Russell Bay's had a few wins at Bay Meadows, didn't he? He did. Tom. He had. He had. <laughs> Like thousands. And, and, you know, I, I went out there with my wife one time and, you know, here's this Hall of Fame jockey. We went out there like on a weekday just to go to the races for a few races. And at Bay Meadows, as the jockeys walk back to the jocks room, you could actually see them right along the rail. They had like a little gate there and we talked to him. My wife took a picture with him and he's like thanking us for coming out. He's like, oh, thanks for coming out. I really appreciate it. That's cool. You know, a lot of Hall of Famers in a sport, you know, they don't they wouldn't interact with you like that, but one of the nicest guys, you know, just from that little brief encounter we had with them. One of the best horses that uh, we've seen in a while, a sprinter called Lost in the Fog was very popular in Northern California. We ran at Bay Meadows and Golden Gate and then went to, uh, you know, went to open company races and uh, was just a spectacular horse. Anyway, here's what we're going to do. We're going to quickly talk first about the Busanda. This was the, uh, and then we'll talk about some Cali races and then we'll talk about the state of California racing in general. So guys, I'm going to bring up on the screen and thanks to everyone who's watching and listening Really appreciate it. Please comment in the live chat. Any questions you have for myself, Pete, any California specific questions, especially for Tom Espinoza, especially if it's like uh, Northern California questions, because that's where he's from or Central California, really. But we say Northern California. Um, and by the way, before I show this, I just want to let everyone know. Let me take this off the screen a second here. Sorry. Uh, what, what do I want to do here? There we go. That I actually met 
Tom, uh, you were, I, I want to say this, Tom, because what you did was awesome. So Pete uh, was a year, a year and a half ago for my brother's 50th uh, birthday. We went out and played golf at um, Pebble Beach, so in Monterey, which is about an hour and 20 minutes south of San Francisco. We flew into San Francisco, and Tom, Tom knew we were coming. I told him we were coming. The guy got like five bottles of wine for me, like met me at the airport and like waited, waited there for like 40 minutes because the luggage took forever. So Tom, I mean, that was really nice. You just want to make everyone know in public that you were nice enough to meet me at the airport and like give me some wine. You asked me what wine I wanted. I mean, I know it was what, maybe we probably spent an hour together, Tom, in person. Yeah, it was very brief because we, we had planned on maybe doing something a little more, but you had to catch your or get your car and get down yeah, to yeah. Pebble Beach. And I think you had something going on too with the. Tell them what yeah. you do, by the way, real quick. I'm a tra- I'm a transit supervisor in San Francisco for the the transit system. So if you guys ever make it to San Francisco, I can get you a free cable card ride. No <laughs> waiting in line. You just I'll just cut you right to the front of the line. You guys are good. All right. All right. Beautiful. We appreciate that. Let's talk about the Busanda real quick, guys. Let me bring it up a little bigger. Pete, this was a race and, and Tom, this was a race that had Kentucky Oaks points. It was won by a horse, horse guy uh, called Jin Jin uh, on the rail. We're going to show the replay. The favorite was Shimmering Allure at four to five. And I have to admit, I wasn't a huge fan of Jin Jin going into this race. I actually tried to get a little cute here, Pete, and I liked most of all a little bit, um, but most of all just didn't get the job done. And Jin Jin, I don't know how impressive it was, but Jin Jin, the rail horse, uh, wins this race. Your thoughts on this race, who you liked in general, and what you thought of this race going forward? Yeah, I mean, well, I didn't I didn't actually handicap this race. I didn't when I took a quick peek at it, I just didn't I didn't like it that much. So I just sort of stayed away from it. But once I watched it, I just thought, and I don't know, since you actually played it. I thought Jin Jin just sat a beautiful trip against a field that wasn't so great on a track that was off. So it's really hard to glean too much from this. I think, I mean, it's always nice to get the win. You're on the Kentucky Oak, you're on the, you're on the Oaks trail. So you want to take whatever win and get whatever points you can get. But I don't know if this has a, this will have a big effect going forward, but I mean, Hey, she did what she had to do. I like the fact that when you're on the rail, you still made the move was a little nice move there. But again, you're, you're chasing a horse that wasn't all that great, had a perfect trip. So I'm not too sure this is really a, a this is really a predictor of any oak success for this horse. Yeah, it is nice to know the horse can get the distance, though, right? I mean, this is a mile yeah, and helps. eighth. The yeah. oaks is a mile and eighth. So that does help. The, the horse is bred to go along. Tom, there's also big news as we watch the, um, you know, the finish here of Jinjin, a horse that I know you know well and everyone knows throughout the country called Tamara. Let me go ahead and take the banner off the screen here. Hulk, uh, who, of course, was in the Breeders' Cup and totally flopped, uh, according to Mandela today, I don't know if you guys heard or saw, will not be ready until the earliest late spring. So it looks like Tamara, that issue from the Breeders' Cup is, is uh, you know, still ongoing, and Tamara is not going to make it to the Kentucky Oaks. At least doesn't look like it. That will, uh, you know, it'd be, you could say it opens up the field, but, of course, just FYI, Tom won the Oaks last year. But Tamara, I'm hoping, comes back because, boy, was she exciting last year. Other than the flop in the Breeders' Cup, obviously. But Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of my California horses in the Breeders' Cup, I really I really took a punch in the face on those. <laughs> yeah, they were they bad, unfortunately. Well. Tom. 
They were not good. Um, let me look at the one, buyer real quick. Yeah, I was just going to actually. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. When you, if you click on Jinjin real quick, you can see in comparison. The one thing you don't love is you hope when you come back in your three-year-old season yeah. that you start to see incremental improvements or even big jumps. And this was sort of a, is this just, and again, not that buyers mean everything, but they're still a gauge to where you fit in the division. And looking at her, you think, ah, she's going to definitely have to keep moving forward and off that first race. It just looks like, is that just what she is? Yeah. And that's not going to get it done. No, 73 is not going to get it done. But out of respect to the, there were points on the line, et cetera. Hey, yeah, I mean, show that. Um, Try and make the gate if you can. That's that's something. I don't know who cares. Just make the hey, gate and then well, figure that it out. That sounds like there. a horse that I want to mention real quick. So we talked about Sierra Leone uh, a little bit last week, who's going to go to the Risen Star uh, for the boys, Pete, that we all have interested in, of course. So uh, Chad's going to go the route of fairgrounds and then on to either the wood or the bluegrass. Um, I don't know if also, real quick, three-year-olds, a horse called Conquest Warrior, remember that name, ran a monster race at Gulfstream in allowance race this Saturday, Tom, this horse had like six lengths of trouble and still won and came out of a live race in New York. So Conquest Warrior is a three-year-old boy. That was one of the craziest starts. and Unbelievable. Did, Tom, did you happen to see that race? I, if you, if I not, did. If not, go back and look. I've never seen a horse start that terrible. I mean, it just, I mean, you probably have, but the terror, the start was just, it wasn't like, hey, it was just slow from the gate. It was god-awful off the screen, and then when you watch it, you're like, yeah. how the hell is this horse? And the horse sort of rolls. It's It was it was really impressive. And I can't remember the buyer was in the 80s. I think it was 84, I think. 84, something like yeah. that. Yeah, so you figure if you can get that horse out of the gate maybe a little bit, might be yeah. some might be some trouble. Please come well, keep the comments going. I'm going to – one other thing maybe, I want to mention. Maybe Howard will include me in one of those big future bets, you know. He has my email. <laughs> yeah. Future bad. Hmm. What a thought. I think I'm alive to it. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, I'm surprised um, you want to after the way Tapper Trice ran in the Derby. But, uh, you know, we'll yeah. see how this one goes. No, I think I like this one. Uh, yeah, the, one the one that he has now, I think, is is, is going to be okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think that I like right. this one better. Yeah. Uh, Pete's got it, too. Everyone on the podcast has, has got a little piece. Um, also, coming up, and we're going to talk about this Thursday, Pete and Tom, on our show on Picks and Ponies. But Thursday, we're going to talk about a really good card at Fairgrounds. It's one of their Road to the Derby cards. And next is going to be running again, try to redeem himself from last time against Track Phantom, who won the race that they were in. So anyway, real good card at Fairgrounds in terms of three-year-olds. Uh, your your son wants to chat. And again, he's got the biggest heart. Wow, not surprised. Yeah. Glad to see this for all of you. Very cool. Thanks again, Matthew. And, and by the way, we appreciate your service. But where is he in Florida? Um Tom. Um, he's in a, he lives in a town called Crestview. Okay. Matthew, it's tell us where your station is. It's in, in the, the chat. Panhandle. I think Eglin. Oh, North. Okay. Yeah. Jeff Amster's here. Tom, my family spent a summer in San Francisco back in the 60s, and I learned the trick, quote unquote, about boarding the cable car. Do you know about this? Walk a block up Gary and ha hop on instead yeah. of waiting in market. I'm sure you know yeah, exactly what that means. I have no idea. Market Street, I'm assuming, right? He's talking you can get on a Geary and Post or <laughs> Geary and uh, Sutter, somewhere around there. I'm surprised right. if he was there in the 60s, I'm surprised he remembers the trip. Wow. Is that is that it's a good trick, huh? Is that, that sound about right, Tom? Uh, yeah, they're pretty good about collecting the fares now, though. So 
Oh, well, so now, now Tom's Tom's fair. cracking Tom's cracking the whip now. So you know you make Tom's sure. Like, no. You know Tom's like no, we don't get away. Actually, with that I, don't, I don't deal with anything rails. I deal with everything <laughs> rubber tires. Rails is not for me. They <laughs> they got smarter guys to do that stuff. That's funny. Uh, let's talk about California. Uh, California. Before we get into the racing in general, Cal Cup Day was this past Saturday, Tom, and some really talented California breads uh, ran. I know you follow all of California, even though, you know, you probably follow, you know, Golden Gate and et cetera, a little more than uh, Southern California, but I'm sure you follow uh, everything in California. Let's go ahead and show this race. There's two races I want to show quickly. This was the Cal Cup sprint and it was won by, wow. I mean, the chosen Ron is just so good and so talented. California or not, I don't care. Uh, we're just going to watch just the stretch run. He had to chase down a really talented horse guys called, Brickyard ride and Tom, he really does it pretty easily. Chosen Ron's on the inside here. It's gonna be the two against Brickyard Ride, who's really fast and just tips out and goes by Tom. Uh, what's your feeling about the chosen Ron? I mean, how good is he in the history of California horse racing? It's pretty damn good. I mean, he just keeps winning every everything. Calbred, you know, he uh, he just keeps winning it. If he's a Calbred, he's gonna win it. He even won, uh. That open the open race, I forget what the name of it, but Bing Crosby. Bing yeah, Crosby. Bing Crosby. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, think, does uh, it easily, Tom? I mean, this is you know. Yeah, I was watching on a on a FanDuel and they were saying, Oh, you know, for a while there it looked kind of shaky because he was down on the rail, didn't know if he was gonna get through. But I was watching Barrios ride the horse, and I'm like, I was thinking, he's like Barrios is not worried about that horse getting through it. Barrios was loaded on that horse, he knew it, he was just kind of nah. sitting there just waiting to pass everybody. You know, he's like really good. He got a 99. I mean, look at look at the buyers of this horse. We'll show the PPs. I think it's 14 for he's 15 for 20. I'll go full screen here, Tom. 15 for 20, a second, two thirds. He's 18 for 20 lifetime in the money for a Calbride. And like you said, he's faced open company too. Won the grade one being Crosby against Anarchist and Dr. Shivel. I was won 1.2 plus million dollars. This is a horse by Vronsky out of a Tis Wonderful Mare for Eric Krujak. Uh, Eric Krujak has done a great job with uh, this horse, Tom. He's a he's a very good trainer. A lot of people don't really aren't familiar with him outside of California. I'm sure you've bet Eric Krujak quite a bit in your day. Yeah, I've seen his name for years in the in the trainer standings, and you know everybody. You know they think California Baffert, um, you know D'Amato, and but these other trainers are really you know really good, and we even have some up here at Golden Gate that go down to Southern Cal and, you know, they do well. They, they, they hold their own down there. So. Yeah. Pete, you know, the sprint division is not great in general. Elite power retired, I believe. I thought so. Yep. So, I think so. Listen, if he can keep the chosen run healthy, look, a hundred buyers will win open company races, obviously as well. So I don't know. Curious to see what this horse does going forward. Maybe they'll stay with Cal breads, although the way the purse structure is going, which we're going to talk about, uh, I don't know, but this horse can run just about anywhere, Pete, going six furlongs. Yeah, this isn't one of those this isn't one of those state bred horses that can't that you don't think can do anything. Yeah. I mean, wasn't great in the Breeders' Cup, it wasn't terrible. And then but still one like you said, won the Crosby. But I do think this one and, and again, the sprint division is always the toughest one because there's horses that try some of the longer stuff and then they cut back and then they eventually sort of come through the sprint division. So it's hard to know who's gonna blossom later. But I mean, why not? I'd run this horse in any race possible and just give him a shot. He's got heart. He's got talent. And I mean, I hope he keeps winning. He's a fun horse to root for. 
Yeah, a lot of good. I mean, Echo Zeddy was a hell of a California sprinter. We've seen a lot of really good California sprinters. This has got to be one of the best ones in the history of California racing, actually. So, congrats. I mean, to he, those. Throw, he threw a couple turf wins, too, just for fun. You know, th- going down the hill. Just throw just throw those in just for just for fun. Why not? Yeah. No, he's really talented. Another talented horse uh, was in this race that we're going to talk about, and then we'll talk about California racing. This is the this was the last race on Saturday. It was the California Turf Classic, two hundred thousand dollars. I was really trying to beat this horse. I talked about it in the Power Picks tip sheet. Look, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong, Pete and Tom. And I got to admit it. I was I wasn't sure about the distance with Kings River Knight, who was six to five morning line. I was completely against. But I'll tell you what, he got the job done. Uh, you got a 93 buyer, so a little bit of a regression actually in this race. But you see, went off at you know six to five. I really liked Aligato. I think you did also, uh, Pete. We'll go ahead and show. Yeah, this, we'll show the stretch run uh, of this race. Let me. I need to sorry fix a few things here. Sorry, let me bring this down here. We'll show the stretch run, Pete. What were your thoughts here early and late of this race? I mean, I, I just thought the horse got a got a nice ride and a nice trip, and it was hard because what you were hoping for if you were rooting for the closers and the closers did run two, three. So they did run pretty well, but what you were hoping for was sort of a contested hot pace. And we got yeah. sort of the opposite of that. And this horse just made the lead pretty easy and looked, I mean, just watching them, it just looked comfortable the whole way around. And, you know, Fernandez who knows what to do in a situation like this. And when you were watching it, you're like, man, they're going to, they're going to have a really hard time getting to this horse, especially because it was the deeper closers that were making the move. And it wasn't no one from up close really came at him and even challenged him. Pete, I just, I don't, right here, I was like, there's no way the seven wins. I, I like, right now, I'm like, yeah. I, I don't understand what Billy's, what, what they were. I can't remember who wrote the three off the top of my head, but I just don't understand. He broke fine. I get, it might have been, it might have been instructions from the trainer, Tom and Pete. I don't know. I know the three's getting a good trip, but he's really never passed horses. And I thought the three for sure to be on the lead. When I saw this, I'm like, this damn thing is over, Tom. When, when a race doesn't develop flow wise the way that you had hoped, it's sort of frustrating. We've all been there, Tom. But Kings River Knight ran well. Aligato, the seven, who, who Pete and I liked, Tom, made a move. But with these fractions, with this kind of horse, it was pretty much over. Yeah, I, I looked at the race after I watched it a couple of times. And uh, to borrow a phrase from Matt Bernier, you know, Kings River Knight, he just 24 him to death. If you go over yeah. the, the quarter figures, it was, I think, I think the first quarter was 23 and change. And then after that, everything was 24. Yep. The final eighth was like in 12. So, and Aligato, that Ali, I was all over Aligato too. That was like my best bet of the day. Oh, wow. But uh, coming off the term in mid stretch, I think he would have gotten second. Aligato, he like switched back to his left lead for like a stride, stride and a half, and then switched yeah. back. And you know, he got nosed out for the place and just just didn't work. Yeah, but I think I forget somebody on the show said he's probably just a pack horse. He just likes to run with the pack, and winning isn't his thing. You know, it's just let me finish. Yeah, he doesn't win a lot, but he's faced. I mean, honestly, again, maybe I'm just gonna I'm gonna be a sucker with him again, Pete. But I mean, I'd bet him again against this field. I, I still think he ran the best race of anyone in this field when you take everything in consideration. You see the closing um, time. Oh, let me show the incremental pace here. Aligato's final. Let's see, that's not an eighth. That's final sixteenth. Uh, you know, it's final eighth. Sorry, final eighth and eleven. Let me make it bigger. Sorry, in eleven point three final quarter, guys. Uh, you know, 23.69, much better than anyone else. He just had way too much to do, Pete. I mean, but yeah, the, closer, and, and again, that's the problem, right? I mean, I mean, that's always, you know, me, I love closers and that's always yeah. the, that's always the drawback is 
you need so much assistance and you're going to need pace and you're going to need contested lead and you don't get that. But I have a question for you guys. Do you think Kings River Knight, I mean, again, just if you're looking from purely like a buyer standpoint, he looks like he can do more than the state bred level. He could maybe contest a, maybe a graded stakes or obviously like a open stakes, but maybe a graded, like a grade three though. I'm not talking grade one level, but you know, he, I, he, I'd maybe give him a shot if I was, you know, if you were looking at that horse, you're like, yeah, let's put him a shot and see what he can do. He's versatile. He's closed a little bit. He can get on the top. You know, why not? Yeah. If he, gets, if he gets the right setup, he'll, 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 he, he can, like he had Saturday. I mean, that was a perfect yeah. race. Yeah. Jim Plars' wife chimes in. Carolyn's hooked, right? She came last Carolyn, week. All and of now, sudden. She's, now she's hooked. And now look hold, at her. No, hold on a second. I mean, come on. I think Carolyn. I think Carolyn's setting us up, uh, Pete, because last week she's like, "I don't understand horse racing. I don't get it." Now she's talking about pack horses, and she's like analyzing specific pace I mean, flow. Like, what's going on here, Carolyn? I either mean, that or we either got that you, Carolyn. Or, I don't believe. I don't know. I think Carolyn might know more than Jim. Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> Jim, uh oh. Jim, I'm waiting for your chat. Jim, Jim just commented, so you know, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm starting to think that Jim is the, is the, you know, the front for you know and carolyn's the real brains behind the opera the, the handicapping wow. operation that might be how about the san francisco mile that that's a nice race on at, at uh golden gate for yeah, golden gate. Night, yeah. correct I think it's a, yeah it's a grade three that's yeah, yeah right it's a grade three well, what yeah. is it the berkeley handicap or they've got some decent races up there on the yeah track. they have the, the berkeley they have, i know the yeah. San, i think there's a race called the alcatraz i think that's on turf oh. too I think that's a seven. Wow. And if you don't win that race, you, you, you go to the island. Is that how that works? <laughs> um, yeah, you get to go to the National Park there. <laughs> guys, let's talk for about 15 minutes here about California racing, then we'll wrap it up as the NFL second game, which, by the way, is two awful teams that have no business being in the playoffs. But that's a whole other story for another day. Um, and then we'll, 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 I think we'll close with a 49er conversation, Tom, for a minute, because I know you're a beloved San Francisco 49er fan. Um, California racing. Oh, Tom, where do we start? Well, first of all, you're obviously a big fan of Golden Gate. You've been there many times, correct? Yes. Talk about the track itself, just without getting into any, just the aesthetics of it. Is it just, tell people, I've never been there. It's one of the major, you know, major tracks that I'd like to go to at some point. I guess I I better go quickly, I guess, because they're closing in June, supposedly. And Tom, unfortunately, myself, and it looks like Pete Visco eventually is going to know soon, about tracks closing close to home with Arlington and then Laurel eventually. It's, just, it's a sad state of affairs in general. But tell them very quickly about Golden Gate. What do you like about the track itself so much? So it's located in Albany, California, which is just across the Bay Bridge from San Francisco, a little north. Um, and it's right on the water, right on the right on San Francisco Bay. You have a beautiful view of the Berkeley Hills when you're in the grandstand. But the funniest thing is, like, I went back earlier this year and I went into the restroom from the turf club. The view you get from the turf club bathroom window is one of the most beautiful. You hit, you get the San Francisco skyline, the Bay Bridge, or no, the Golden Gate Bridge, and the sun was starting to set. And I was like, "This is the view from the bathroom, and they're going to close this place," which is is just, yeah, it breaks my. I mean, it broke my heart when they closed Bay Meadows. It broke my heart. It was going to break my heart when they closed Golden Gate. And it's just. I heard- <clears throat> Yeah, Someone just, put on X that it's like the most beautiful track bathroom view in the in like in the entire world or something. Some, some kind is. of weird. Yeah. I'm like the view from the bathroom. I'm like what? But that may have been me. I may have posted that when you guys may have that was you. But yeah, yeah. yeah it might have been me. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, the story, the situation right now, very quickly, we could talk about this for five hours, but very quickly, Golden Gate, they're planning on consolidating, consolidating everything. Stronach decided to do this basically to Southern California. They're going to close Golden Gate. We don't know what's going to happen with the fair racing, et cetera. Uh, but what came out today, this is very pertinent to today's show as we're filming here on Monday night, is that uh, an article in the DRF that the Southern California tracks are telling the board that, that they got to reduce the purses and that changes are are needed, um, that they're going to reduce purses through 2024. I'm just reading as we go along here. Golden Gate's going to close in June, which you already know. Um, that they need to concentrate the racing in Southern California. They need to expand eligibility for horses racing at the night thoroughbred meet in Los Al. And the distribution of revenue from simulcasting and account wagering in Northern California be redirected to Southern California when no racing is held in the North. So there's been overpayments of purses at San Nita and Del Mar, and they're worried about the future of racing in general in California. Tom, it's got to be sort of a, a sad situation. We all know that the full crop, the number of horses is down throughout the whole country, but California's got some issues right now to deal with. Yeah, they're they're in big trouble. There's another podcast I watched, The Owner's Box, with Michelle Yu and Billy yeah. Koch, and I was watching um, a couple episodes back. They had Pat Cummings on, and Billy Koch said the same thing. He kind of qualified his statement later, but he said, you know, he's, uh, I guess, the, the partner or the lead partner in Little Red Feather. Right, right. And he said within the next two years, he said, if something isn't done, he said they're they're going to be in big trouble. And that's coming from an owner, you know, so he, yeah. he knows. Um, and Michelle, you on the other side, she's on the more the trainer and her husband's a trainer. Sure. And she said the same thing. You know, it's, it's not easy. It's a business. It's hard to, you know, it's, it's hard to make ends meet. We had a. Um, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of his name, but one of the trainers left here in California, he's going to Kentucky. And he said he's going to Kentucky because he said the price of doing business in California racing, he goes just an easy golden gate. He said his fee for workers comp for the month in California was what his fee was going to be for the year in Kentucky. Wow. Stable. So it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to make it ends meet. You know, I, I would do the same thing. It's a business. Bottom line, you know, the owners are in it for, you know, it's a business deal. If you just start losing money, you're going to go somewhere else, take your business someplace else. I just know the game from really betting, sure. but I'm studying the other parts. And it, yeah, I could see it happening where, you know, we're in big trouble. Other states, you know, well, Billy Cotts said he shipped one of his horses to Oakland for 142,000 optional claimer because of the purse. He said, it's harder racing, he said, but it's worth it, you know, because he, he goes, if I win there, he goes, it, it pays for the trip and even more. And he has all the partners to think about. So, Yeah, well, and I mean, the cost of living is crazy in California. The purses aren't matching. The purses are amazing at Arkansas, Kentucky, New York, obviously very good, Pete. And it's a simple math right now. You're talking about the betting that you're better, Tom. I got a stat here, Pete. Uh, Thurber Racing, California declined 5%, which doesn't seem like a lot. But when it from 1.528 billion uh, down to 1.45, so that's what that's 0.7. That's you know 0.7 billion. Uh, that's a lot of money. And I, I know for me, Pete, I know you probably bet mainly East Coast, but uh, or maybe maybe I shouldn't speak for you. Maybe you don't. But 
I, I, I like anywhere that has good field sizes. I just, I'm not interested in betting six, seven oars field sizes. I bet today because there wasn't much, you know, going on in the country and there was okay field size, but you're just not going to make money betting, you know, six, seven horse fields. I, I just, I just don't have interest in doing that. It's nothing personal because I love California in general. It's just, you're not going to make money, especially horizontal likely like to play with six and seven horse fields. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, from a betting standpoint, I guess the, the whole problem with the whole story is, is that there, there there's issues on all ends. So if you're a better, which, which again, it's all circular. If you're a better, you don't like it for the reasons you're talking about, even though yeah. I do love, I love Santa Anita. I love Del Mar, but if the small fields again, and, and it always looks like, yeah, hey, you look at a small field and there's a big chalk and it's a, you know, there's some Baffert, Scott three in there. And you're like, well, I can't bet against those. And it, it just makes you take your money elsewhere. And yeah. then that drives the lower handle and then that drives. And then you combine that with the cost of, you know, the cost of doing business there. And then the fact that when golden gate closes, it's like, Oh, those horses can move down and we can sort of support it with them, but they're not, the conditions aren't right for certain horses. So it right. all just goes into one big bucket and makes it one big problem. Whereas it's not just a simple solution and there's no, there's no other, there's no other revenues, right? Tom still, is there other revenues? There's no casino. That's, there's no, no supplemental it's, revenues, right? In it's California. All, it's all from the, from the, the betting and yeah, we don't have any other revenue sources. Yeah. Which is uh, how yeah, I can just some other states. Yeah. Let Go me ahead, just piggyback because I got some information just about that. Um, oh, as, as as Tom knows, especially the Native American tribes operate casinos throughout California, but they're so strong politically that the development of casinos or racetracks is considered nearly impossible. And then in 2022, as Tom knows also, California ballot measure that would have allowed sports betting at racetracks was soundly defeated by the voters. So, you know, that just piggybacks what you were asking about, Pete. Yeah. Yeah, you Tom, I don't... Issue. I don't know what the I don't know what the rationale is. Who doesn't want more gambling? That's my that's always been my opinion. But because well, it takes away from the Native American revenue. It's, yeah, I mean, no, we I, have, you know, I like betting. Yeah, Nevada's our neighbor as well. So you know, anytime yeah. they didn't want the casinos to go in, so right. sure, they, they brought in money to fight against that. They lost, but you know, I go to Lake Tahoe quite often. Even going to Lake Tahoe now, it's not as crowded as it used to be. Yeah, Atlantic City was the same when when they started because I grew up in New Jersey and I would go to Atlantic City and now you're like I don't what do I need to go to Atlantic City for unless you're going on for like a specific trip or something you're like why do I do that I could just bet from my I could bet from my couch I don't need and there's casinos right next door I have a casino at the mall here there's a casino less than ten minutes it's it was it's basically built next to and sort of connected to a mall that we go to. So like, what, wow. what do I need to go anywhere for? I could just go less than 10 minutes away. So is there, yeah, is there, is there just table? Is, is there table games or just like slots and no, no, it's full. It's full table games. It's everything. Yeah. It's nice oh, actually. Yeah. Is that many go to racing or is that, is that an extra source revenue source for racing or is that separate? I think it is. I, I don't pay enough attention to, to how all the distribution works, but I do think it is. But Maryland, Maryland's a, a shit show, excuse my language, too. So it's not like it's not like they're how they distribute their revenue and how they take care of their horse racing is anything to to marvel at either. But, yeah, I, I think in just some states you've seen the revenue from the casinos is is a big driver, which, again, isn't always the best thing because it's almost like that's the crutch. Instead of improving the racing, right. you use that as sort of a crutch. So it's a catch 22, but the money helps at least. It's something. Well, I think Kentucky has historical historical 
races or something like that. Say how, yeah, yeah. yeah. Racing machines are big in Kentucky. It's a big source of revenue. It's kind of cool. I like those. We used to have those. They're they're kind of cool. Yeah, I really. I've never played one. It's you watch. Well, they used to have it. They used to have one that wasn't real money. But then I found that, like, even in New Jersey, for some reason, I thought they had them. Maybe it wasn't for money, and it would just be some random race that comes up, but you don't know who it is, and you could pick the winners like you would. And it, but it's a live race. It was not a live race. It's it was a race that happened, but you could pick it like it's something you've never seen before, and you could actually bet on it in Kentucky, which is awesome. Yeah, but you can't handicap. The, it's not like no, no, no. I don't think so. I don't. I don't. Th- well, I don't know I don't if know. they give I you a little. I can't remember if they give you a little bit of information. Maybe somebody in the chat would know, and we don't want to get okay. off tangent. But yeah. it's just a cool okay. idea because what the hell? Who cares? I mean, I'll- if you've ever bet at the historical horse racing machines. Like in Kentucky or someone, please put it in the chat. Let's yeah. let's take a few comments from the chat because I really want to emphasize the chat on these shows that horsing around. Jeff Amster, Bill Nader has a mutiny on his hands since several uh, Northern Cal members of the TOC board resigned today. Wow, they feel that TOC is failing to properly represent the Northern California owners and horse people. I mean, it's a problem, Tom. And there's there's a feeling that uh, where is it? Let me just I'm quoting from the article that I've been quoting. That the looming closure of Golden Gate Fields, this is a direct quote, has caused widespread concern that racing in the state will lose owners and breeders who have focused on racing on that circuit. I mean, what you can't blame the Northern California trainers and owners for feeling that way, Tom. Yeah, the, the, the horses and the owners and the trainers up here, you know, most of those horses, they're not going to be able to compete in Southern California. Yeah. They don't, you know, I don't even think they don't write, you know, over here we have 3,200 claimers, 4,000 claimers. They don't write races like that in Southern California. I doubt they're going to start doing it, especially after that article today. I didn't read it, but what you just a little bullet point you gave, they're not going to do it. If they're going to start cutting purses, they're not going to bring down $3,200 claimers and write a race for them. No. So I, uh, I there, there have been a lot of ideas bantied about. Uh, let's let a few other comments. Jim Pilar said it seems like Frank Strong's daughter Belinda took over. She's slowly selling off the horse racing assets. Paul Conlon says, unfortunately, there's no coming back. Wow. Paul's looking at very, it must be very dark in, in North Dakota up there. Although, Paul, we understand how you feel. He I'd be negative, no too, in that, in that cold weather. <laughs> you cannot cost cut your way to prosperity. It's very, it's, listen, Paul, your, your, your comment is extremely valid, and they got a lot of issues to work through. Jim Pilars said the strong, again from Jim, put the family fortune in a trust when you're in politics in Australia, uh, Austria, excuse me. His daughter Belinda thinks the racing end loses too much money. And there we go. is selling off smaller tracks. It's, it's really a shame. And Paul says they need an entirely new business model in order to compete. And I, I feel for you, Tom, with the Golden Gate and Pete, hopefully the, maybe, maybe Laura won't close, but I mean, what's really frustrating for us and we'll end, I'll end the show with this. We'll talk about the, uh, the Giants real quick, and then um, – or sorry, the 49ers. We can talk about the Giants too, uh, San Francisco. Um, 49ers are better right now. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard, but it, one of the – the Kevin Warren, who is the president of the Chicago Bears, said over the weekend that now they might not even use that Arlington land they used for a new stadium for the Chicago Bears. And it was one of the most beautiful, you know, tracks in the country. They took it down to build the new Bears stadium. Now it might not even be there. So – uh, I, it's really frustrating. But anyway, hopefully, Tom and Pete, let's try to look at an optimistic view. Hopefully they'll figure it out because I love Del Mar. It's, I have not been in Northern California tracks. Del Mar and Santa Anita. Pete, I don't, I don't think you've been to either one, you said, but just absolutely gorgeous in different ways. Tom, I'm assuming you've been to both. Is that correct? No, I haven't been to either one. Really? 
Okay. Really? Well, anyway. You got to get down there. All right. Well, they're both beautiful tracks. I love the people down there. I love the weather's great. Uh, we just got they got to figure it out. And I got news for California racing. And I mean, they're not going to thousands of, you know, new babies are not going to be born, you know, at the rate while well, they are. But, you know, I mean, comparatively to what used to be uh, the, the full crop is not going to be like increasing greatly anytime soon. So <clears throat> they got to figure it out, Pete and Tom, and hopefully they will. But let's talk on a positive note real quick. Tom, you're a huge San Francisco 49er fan. If Green Bay thinks they're just going to walk in there and get an easy victory, I'll tell you what, the 49ers lately, Pete and Tom, have been Green Bay's kryptonite in the playoffs. And what's weird, Tom, is you think that for the 49ers, this will be maybe, a, I wouldn't say an easy win, but an expected win because there's no Aaron Rodgers and no Brett Favre walking into there. I'll tell you what, Green Bay is really playing well right now. Yeah. After yesterday's game, my son and I were watching it in uh, Dallas and Green Bay. And uh, we saw the first half before we took off to Cal Expo. And uh, I told him, I said, here, we're all happy. But yeah, we got Green Bay. We got Green Bay. I said, watch, they're going to come in here and probably kick our butt. I said, because they played a really good game. They they had Dallas. They looked like Dallas didn't know what to do. They, Horrible. They, but you know what, I mean, Pete? I always, it's, we'll just end with it. We don't talk a lot of other sports, but it's sort of fun to do for a second. I've always thought, even in the Rodgers and Favre area, but especially in the Rodgers area, Green Bay really, I think, predicates their offense on the run. They, they've never gotten credit for how well they run the ball. They're very physical the way they run with Jones and these other guys. But San Francisco is exactly the kind of team that can stop the run and maybe put Green Bay in third and long, which Jordan Love, as good as he's been lately, I still don't think they want to be in that situation. So I think San Francisco just matches up really well with Green Bay, and I expect them to win. Yeah, sure. I mean, and there'll, there'll be, a, I, I don't I don't know if what the line was. I forget if it was, I, I can remember I saw you know it. it maybe it was nine and, and a half. Right now? Nine and a half. I haven't looked, I haven't looked it was Maybe nine high? and a half. Wow. I think it was. It was wow. pretty high, I thought, at least okay. when it opened. And yeah, I mean, you're coming into San Francisco. San Francisco has been mostly the best team along with Baltimore most of the season. Yeah. But hey, Green Bay's young. They don't know what they don't know. They don't care. They, I mean, they went into Dallas and everybody assumed at home Dallas would just take care of it. Green Bay was happy to be there and they jumped on them. And the one thing with the Niners is, you know, everybody doubts Purdy a little bit. And I'm sure, Tom, you see that a lot where they doubt Brock Purdy. And But if Jordan Love and the Green Bay offense can jump on them the way they jumped on Dallas, then you got to see Brock come from behind and I don't know if you know in the playoffs that's different and they haven't seen that a bunch you know San Fran's great when they jump on you and they and they get the lead so we'll see it should be a fun game I mean if nothing else it, well, there should be some excitement I think Green Bay got like two touchdowns it was always to the right I don't know the defensive backs or whatever for Dallas there was like two or three passes that they loved through there was nobody around the receiver oh, yeah that one he, he actually stopped running <laughs> caught the ball and then had time to run and go to the end zone so that didn't even look like a live it. play because there wasn't another person in the screen basically yeah, I, I was I, I was out running errands in the first half and i was refreshing my phone and i'm like is, is something broken i swear to god every time i refreshed it was seven it was 14 it was 14, like what the hell 20, is going 20, on in this yeah. stupid game i was like i gotta oh. get home just to see what the hell is happening yeah i don't think yeah. san francisco is going to uh let that happen. Yeah. But guys, yeah. uh, we, we've had a lot of fun tonight talking about some recaps and, and California racing. We've got next up here on the bottom of the screen, uh, Wednesday, Ben and Boozen. In your neck of the woods, Pete, they're covering four really good races in Laurel upcoming this Saturday, all stake races. And then, Pete, you and I, along with Paul, uh, for Picks and Ponies on Thursday, will be covering a huge card at the fairgrounds. It's their next step 
to the road to the Kentucky Derby for the races in New Orleans, including many, many stake races. So, and then the week after that, a week from this weekend, guys, is is the Pegasus weekend. So racing is starting to ramp up again. We've been a little bit in a lull period here, but racing is really going to wrap up. Uh, Tom, I'll let you have the final word. Thanks for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure. Really appreciate your incredible dedication to the show and viewership. And please commenting in the live chat, Tom, and hopefully Pete and myself will get to see you uh, well, me in person for the second time, Pete, at some point. But just any yeah. final thoughts, show about uh, the HHH Racing Podcast or anything in your life you'd like to uh, mention? Well, just thanks for having me on. I would have been on a lot sooner. Howard asked me at the beginning of his podcast when he first infancy stages. He asked me several times, he goes, can you come on the show? I said, I'm working and we kind of discussed it. And I said, I think the city <laughs> county of San Francisco would not want me doing a handicapping show from their vehicle. So like, let me wait on this. Probably a so, good call. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Bet California Racing, please, because we need help out here. And, uh, yeah, just hello to everybody in the Triple H world. And I really enjoy the show. And I'm really happy that I finally got to, to make an appearance. Well, we appreciate being on. Pete, I got a final closing thought. Tom Espinosa next time live from a cable car in San Francisco. Oh, what do you nice. think? Yeah, we could probably, we could probably, we could probably work out. that out, Tom. Can we work yeah, that out? Let's do that. Yeah, we can, we can right. work on something. We can, we can, hopefully we can race against something too. We can, you know, we can put something we can wager on. Hey, we don't need to just bet horses. We well, they have, they have a race. They have, I don't know if they have any, but there's a, we have a California cable car that goes up California street, very steep hill. And there used to be a race where humans would try to race the cable car up the hill. This is what I'm talking about. We get there odds on go. that and we, we can wager on it. I like it. <laughs> we got there some great go. ideas. Tom, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. For my co-host, Pete Visco, a great guest and friend, Tom Espinosa has been Howard Kravitz. Episode two of Horse and Round. Thanks for watching, everyone. And we will see you uh, at the races. And we'll see you, of course, on Ben and Boozin and on Picks and Ponies on Thursday. Crush your bets on any races in California. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Triple H Horse Racing Podcast. You're missing out. It's one of the best podcasts in the country.